Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler, and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. If you've got your Bible, I hope that you do. Would you open them up to 1 Timothy chapter 4? 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's a hardback black Bible under your chair in front of you. You can grab one of those, and if you're using one of those, we're going to be on page 992. Each week, we conclude our services the same way. We're going to do it today. We conclude our, our gathering together by standing and reciting Matthew 28, 18 through 20 together. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Every week we end our services together by reciting those verses in order to remind ourselves that Christ has given us, his church, a mission to accomplish. And that mission is to make disciples. It's important to recognize that Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make church members. He didn't say, go into all the world and make converts. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. The mission of the church is discipleship. But as much as we talk about discipleship, as much as we make it a priority with our words, I think the reality is a lot of us aren't living it out. I think the reality is a lot of us are content to come to the worship gathering and sing a few songs together, pray together, celebrate communion together, hear the sermon together, and then head out the door with our 80-minute fix of faith, content and somehow thinking that those 80 minutes are going to get us through the next 10,000 minutes of the week. We don't actually buy into this thing called discipleship. The reality is a lot of us aren't engaged in discipleship, I think, because discipleship is hard work. We want the easy solution. But easy isn't what we've been called into. We've been called to step into the hard, and while the hard may seem intimidating, that shouldn't stop us. So often in life, the things most worth doing are the things that are hard. And when it comes to discipleship, that's especially true. This thing we call discipleship may take work, but what I'd like to encourage you to recognize today is that discipleship is work worth doing. In fact, that's the main idea that I want you to walk away with today. Discipleship is work worth doing. And we're gonna see that right here as we look at 1 Timothy. So let's just dive in. 1 Timothy chapter four, two verses, starting at verse seven. The Bible says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as we pause and we dive into your word Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, that we would hear from you, that we would be encouraged, 
and empowered to live out this thing you've called us into, this discipleship that you've commanded us to engage in. God, help us to recognize that discipleship may be hard work, but it's work worth doing, and help us to internalize that and then put it to work. Help us to actually live it out. God, I ask that you would get whatever might be in the way of us hearing from you today out of the way, that you would give us focus for the next few minutes as we look at your word, and that we would be encouraged in what you have for us today. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Whenever you're teaching a new skill to someone, there's this temptation to overemphasize the things that you shouldn't do rather than the things that you should. Parents, if you've ever taught your kids how to ride their bikes, that temptation gets very real there. When you're teaching your kids to bike, you might be te- or to ride a bike, you might be tempted to, to focus on all the things they don't want to do. Don't fixate on the obstacles. Don't stop pedaling. Don't look down at the ground. There's a temptation to emphasize all the things that you shouldn't do rather than simply focusing on the things you should do. And, and when you do that, all those negative instructions can stick in your mind in such a way that you actually end up doing the very thing you are trying to avoid. When I was a flight student, this actually happened to me. Early on in, in flight training, one of the things we learned how to do was recover an aircraft when it gets into a spin. A spin is an exaggerated stall, so the the aircraft isn't generating lift anymore, and it's exacerbated by the fact that you're stuck in an auto rotation, so you're literally just spinning and falling out of the sky. And the thing with spins is that they rarely correct themselves. You actually have to take steps in order to get out of that spin, spin, otherwise you're going to impact the ground. And so in flight school, we would intentionally spin aircraft, directly above our homes, by the way, but we would intentionally spin aircraft in order to learn how to recover. And and one of the steps in the spin recovery procedures is you're supposed to press the rudder of the aircraft in the full opposite direction of the rotation of the spin because your ailerons on the the wings don't do you any good. They're stalled out, right? So, So that was one of the most important procedures in getting out of a spin. And I had a flight instructor who was telling me in the brief and in the flight to not do the wrong thing. Over and over again, he was saying, okay, Josh, don't press the rudder in the direction of the spin. Don't press the rudder in the direction of the spin. So we get out there, we, we take off, we f- climb up to the working area. My instructor pulls the throttles back to idle. He pulls the nose of the aircraft up until the stall begins. He puts in the, the inputs in the flight control so that the aircraft gets into the spin and it's established in the spin. We're falling out of the sky, spinning toward the ground. My instructor hands me the controls and he says, okay, you got it, recover. And what do I do? I, I press the rudder full on in the direction of the spin. And the spin just continued to happen. Now, eventually my instructor, he took controls and he recovered out of the spin. And, and as he did that, he asks me, what did you do wrong? And, and here's the thing, when you're rapidly falling out of the sky in a spin, heading towards your impending death, you operate on stem power. Like all I could think of is press the rudder in the direction of the spin. And that's what I did. So often when we overemphasize the negative instructions, that's what sticks in our minds and it doesn't do us any good. But that's why I love this text right here. 
Because Paul is giving us just half a verse of what not to do, and then a verse and a half of what we ought to do. He doesn't anchor down on the negative. He anchors down on the positive. I want you to look at this with me. He says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. That's the negative instruction. That's the thing that we're not supposed to do. Essentially, he's telling us to reject, to avoid. He's saying, don't waste your time on these things. And those things are irreverent, silly myths. Now, Let's be honest, irreverence a word we don't use very often in our day-to-day nowadays, right? Like, we don't, we don't use that word, but, but it means profane or worldly or, or worthless or godless. That's what these myths are, but, but he also calls them silly. And when he calls them silly, he, he's saying that they're the kind of thing that would only be believed by somebody who is really gullible. Like, like it, it's kind of like on par with that email you get from the, deposed, the son of the deposed king of Nigeria asking for money, right? Like only somebody who is incredibly gullible would fall for that scam in 2022. And Paul is telling us, don't be fooled like that. Don't be distracted by these foolish, silly, worthless myths. That's the negative instruction. That's what we're told not to do. But Paul doesn't anchor down on that. That's what I love about this. Instead, he continues on and he anchors down on the positive command. Look at the second half of verse seven there. Paul says, rather train yourself for godliness. Instead of being fooled and drawn off, we're told we should train ourselves for godliness. That word train there in in the Greek, that word is yimnazo. And it's spelled G-Y-M and a whole bunch of other letters, right? It's the same root word behind our word, gymnasium. Now, I know you guys can look at me and and you can tell just by looking at me that the gym is not like my favorite place on the planet to go, right? Like we can be honest about that, but that doesn't mean I haven't spent some time in the gym. I I have. And, And I think that that's the case for a lot of us. A lot of us have been to the gym, and because of that, we can relate to the intent behind this command right here. Because we all know, whether we go or not, we all know why people do go to the gym, right? They go so that they can work out. They go so that they can physically train their bodies so that they can grow. I don't think most people go to the gym just to sit around. They go so they can grow, and that's the intent behind this command. Paul is telling us to grow in godliness. But this is a command that's more than just growing in godliness. What what it really is getting down to is this is a command to dive into discipleship. But discipleship isn't a complex thing. It doesn't have to be hard. Now, today in our world, the, the word disciple is kind of a church word, right? Like we don't use disciple outside of the church much. But in Jesus' day, in Paul's day, disciple, it simply meant learner. It simply meant student. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you are. You're a disciple. And discipleship is simply living out that identity. Discipleship simply means that you're learning and growing. And that's what Paul is telling us to do here. He's saying, train yourself for godliness. But what I'd like you to notice is that just like the gym, discipleship takes work. 
If you just go to the gym and sit there and do nothing, you're not going to grow. Like you're not gonna build those pecs. You're not gonna get those rock solid abs if you go to the gym and just sit there on the bench and watch everybody else work out, right? It takes work. And if you've ever spent any time in the gym, then you know that if you're doing it right, you're going to leave that gym needing a shower. You're gonna leave the gym exhausted. If you're doing it right, you may leave the gym and you're hungry. And that's where this parallel is so helpful for us because discipleship done right is kind of like that. It's gonna take work. It's gonna take dedication. You're gonna have to be intentional to make it happen. You're gonna have to be disciplined to bear any fruit. There may be times where discipleship isn't necessarily the most fun thing that you can do in your day because discipleship is work. But as we move into verse eight, Paul is gonna help us see that it's work worth doing. Look at verse eight. Paul says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Discipleship is work worth doing. We all understand the analogy that Paul is making right here, right? Like if you go to the gym and you go often enough and you exercise regularly. If you eat a healthy diet, you will train your body to grow and, and there's value in that. You're gonna feel better physically. Your clothes may fit a little better. We all understand that bodily training is of some value. Paul is not negating that here. But what this is working to show us is if, if that's true, and it is, then how much more value is there if you train your heart? That's what he wants us to see right here. You see, the work of learning and growing as a follower of Christ, it's worth so much more than just training your body. And that's Paul's point. Paul's telling us that discipleship has value in every way. As it holds value, it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, it's, it's November already, and that means that Publix has brought back their holiday turkey cranberry sub. Like, <laughs> those of you who know, know it is amazing. Like, like y'all should just go over there after church and grab one. They're phenomenal. But anyway, so the sub is back, and I've maybe had three or four of them in the last week and a half. Um, and, and on Wednesday, I went to go get a sub over at Publix and Foley, and, and I got my sub, and as I finished picking up the sub, I was walking towards the register, and I happened to walk by the chip aisle, and I looked down the chip aisle, and as I was looking down the chip aisle, I noticed that like Publix does so often, they had a BOGO going on. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Buy one, get one. You, you buy one large bag of fried dill pickle chips, you get a second large bag of fried dill pickle chips free. Now, y'all, I, I didn't need the large fried dill pickle chip bag. I, I didn't need it, but, but BOGO. So, so you can bet dollars to donuts. I, I went down the aisle, I grabbed myself two bags of fried dill pickle chips and I headed to the register. We love a BOGO, buy one, get one free. It's an awesome deal. We love that. And here's what I want you to see. Right here in verse eight, Paul is giving us a BOGO on why discipleship is so valuable to us. Look at verse eight one more time. He says, for while bodily training is of some value, 
Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It's a two for one. When we pursue godliness, when we put in the hard work of discipleship to grow as a follower of Jesus, it's got value in the present life. If you're living to live more like Christ each and every day, you're living the life he's created you to live and there's value in that. There's promise in that. Now, this is not a promise of worldly prosperity. This isn't serve the Lord and he's gonna bless you financially and he's gonna give you all the material possessions you want. No, this is a reminder of the spiritual blessings that God pours out on us as we live for him. And that by itself, that all by itself makes discipleship worthwhile. But it's a bogo. He, he also says that that's, there's more promise than that. Paul says there's also promise for the life to come. When you grow in Christ-likeness, when you grow in your faith, you're preparing yourself to spend eternity with Christ. The whole point of this, what Paul is telling us here is that discipleship is work worth doing. And I want you to see that today. I want you to take hold of that truth and internalize it. As Christians, we're called to grow in Christ-likeness. We're called to engage in the active work of becoming more like Jesus. We're called to make disciples. We're called to engage in discipleship. And what Paul is telling us here, the, the truth that we need to take hold of is that while that calling is hard, while it takes work and sacrifice and effort, discipleship is work worth doing. That's the truth I want you to grab hold of today. But I don't want you to just have the truth. I also want to give you a way to put it into action. And so for those of you who are keeping track, we're through our two verses, and you're like, ooh, out of here early. Here comes Publix. No. <laughs> no. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to look at one more passage of Scripture. So flip back in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you're using one of the, the church... Bibles there under your chair, it's page 151. And as you're turning there, I, I hope that I've got you on board with this idea that discipleship is work worth doing. Growing in Christ, the pursuit of godliness may be work, but it's worth doing. I hope you're there, but that's just the head knowledge. I also want to give you uh, some, some way of taking this and, and putting it to work. If, if you're on board with me in that, the next logical question is, well, okay, Josh, how do we do that? And that's where Deuteronomy chapter 6 comes in handy. We're going to look at this passage we actually talked about two weeks ago. As we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan, you remember the lawyer came up to Jesus and he asked Jesus, like, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus turned the question back to him and said, hey, what do you see? What, what does the law say? How do you see it? And, and the, the lawyer, he, he answered with, with this. This is the Shema. The, the word Shema just means hear. So hear with your ears. This is the command that Jesus said is the greatest commandment in the law, but just after the greatest commandment in the law, we get this really helpful set of instructions that help us to see how we can put this discipleship that we've been talking about into action. So take a look with me now, Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, that's the Shema. That's the greatest commandment in the law. Like when we combine that with, with the command of, of Leviticus 19, 18, we get the, the, the law that sums up all law, right? That's it. But we're going to look at what follows. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, how do we live out this life of discipleship? How do we do this work that's worth doing? We find the answers right here in these verses. And what we're going to see is, is three answers, and all of them are centered right on God's word. First, I want you to see that we meditate on God's word. Look at verse six. The Bible says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now, as Moses relays this command that Jesus called the greatest commandment in the law, as he relays that command, he immediately tells us that this command shall be on your hearts. And what we need to recognize today is that in the Old Testament, the heart is more than just your emotions. This isn't a command just to love God's law. This isn't a command that we should just love Scripture. There's more to it than that. In the Old Testament, the heart is the seat of the intellectual, the, the seat of the rational side of humanity. And, and to be upon the heart, as one Old Testament scholar put it, is to be in one's constant conscious reflection. This is a command right here to meditate on God's word. But I don't want you to let that word meditate scare you away. This, this isn't Eastern meditation where you're trying to clear your mind of everything. In fact, it's just the opposite. This idea of meditate, it, it means to fill your mind with God's word, where you think about it all day long, where you're looking it over in your mind and trying to gain every angle, every facet to understand everything it has for you, where you internalize it. That's what it means to meditate on God's word. And that's what we're being commanded to do here. If you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to engage in the work of discipleship, meditate on God's word. And of course, that means you start by reading God's word. You open up your Bible and you read it. You open up your Bible app and you, you listen to it. You get into God's word. And I know this can be hard to do regularly. So we want to help you with that. In just a few weeks, we're going to have a new reading plan for the whole church that, that we're going to make available. And, and it will start in January. Over the next two years as a church, we're going to work through the McShane reading plan. If, if you've never heard of it, Robert Murray McShane was a, a young Scottish pastor who lived in the early 1800s, and he created this Bible reading plan that will help you to read the Bible through from Genesis all the way to Revelation. 
And how we do that is you're gonna read one section from the Old Testament and one section from the New Testament every single day for two years. And after two years, you'll have read the entire New Testament and all of the Psalms twice and the rest of the Old Testament once. But the beauty of this reading plan, one of the reasons we picked it is that it's available on just about every single reading app there, Bible reading app there is. So if you use Uversion, if you use Logos, if you use Dwell, whatever Bible app you use, it's available. You don't have to have the sheet we're going to print out for you guys. You can read God's word. And if you're not in the habit of reading the Bible regularly, we want to help you with that as well. So next Sunday, we're going to have our Advent devotionals available for you to pick up. And and that's going to help you to kind of wade into reading the Bible on a regular basis. What you're going to find in the Advent devotionals is, is one reading per week, along with some thoughts to think about throughout the week as we celebrate Advent. So that'll start the Sunday after uh, Thanksgiving, and it'll work you all through the month of December to kind of help you wade into the regular habit of reading God's Word. What we're seeing here in this text is that we want to do this work of discipleship. If we're going to do it, it starts by meditating on God's word. And to do that, we actually have to open it up and read it. So that's, that's the first thing. But, but as we keep reading, there's more to it than that. We're also going to teach God's word. Look at verse 7. The Bible says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Part of discipleship involves the reality that we teach God's word. And I want you to notice right away that this command is not being given to Aaron, the high priest. This command isn't even being given to the Levites who were kind of the religious leaders of the community of Israel. No, this command is being given to all of God's people. All of God's people are told to diligently teach your children. The Bible is telling us that you shall teach my word diligently to your children. That's the command. Teach God's word. But what I love is that it it also tells us how we do that. Keep reading in verse 7 there. He says, And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. We're given this command to teach the Bible to our children. Teach God's word to our children. And it gives us this picture. And I have to ask, what, what, what's the picture? As you look at this, you've got two pairs of expressions there in verse seven, and, and they're opposites of each other. Sit and walk and lie down and rise. Those, those two expressions there, those are called mirrorisms. And a mirrorism, when, when it's used in language, it's, it's meant to incorporate everything in between. So like if you've lost something and you're looking for it and you say you searched high and low, what you're saying is I've looked everywhere for it, right? That's what this is saying right here. This is painting a picture of teaching our kids, of discipling our kids in every aspect of our lives. I love how Michael Grisanti put it. We're going to throw this one up on the screens. Listen to what he said. He said, God's people are to teach their children about God and his expectations of them in all contexts of life. They are to permeate every realm of a believer's life. 
God's truth was and is to be the topic for ordinary conversation in ordinary homes, in ordinary life, from breakfast to bedtime, whether we are busy or not. Let let that sink in for a moment. Think about what that's telling us. I love that. God's truth was and is to be the topic for ordinary conversation in ordinary homes, in ordinary life, from breakfast to bedtime, whether we're busy or not. That's what this is calling us into. We teach God's word however and wherever we get the opportunity And this doesn't have to be hard. It can be as easy as a conversation while you're driving your kids to school. I actually had this happen to me on Thursday. Wasn't thinking about the sermon at all. Wasn't planning it. It just happened. I was taking Kylie to school and we were about halfway to school and Kylie realized that she had a test in Bible class where they've been working through Psalm 1 and and she had to have the last two verses of Psalm 1 memorized. And and she was a little bit nervous. like, I forgot about that. And, and so we, I had her open up her, her Bible app and we worked to memorize those last two verses on the drive and it didn't actually take long. She's a smart girl. She figured it out. And, and then she started, I didn't even know this was happening. She started reciting the whole Psalm to me. She had Psalm one, the whole thing memorized. And, and so we started talking about what that Psalm means and what it's teaching us. And we had this great conversation. We even made up a silly song singing the verses We'd never let you hear it. But anyway, we, we did that on the drive home or the drive to school and, and we dropped her off and it was just this natural thing that happened. It doesn't have to be hard or scripted or planned. We just have conversations with our kids. Maybe while we're driving, maybe we're, while we're at the dinner table, maybe we're, while we're watching TV. We want to incorporate those kinds of conversations into our regular daily conversations with our kids. And here's the really cool thing that happens when we start to do that. It begins to help you grow as a Christian as well. Like you learn so much when you're the one that's doing the teaching. And and so when you're teaching God's word, when you're teaching and discipling someone else, God's working on you as well. He's discipling you. You learn and grow when you teach. Parents, God has given you the special responsibility to disciple your kids. And as a church, we want to help you with that in every way that that we can, but, but we cannot do it ourselves for you. Like, listen, best case scenario, if you're here every time the doors are open with your kids, we get your kids for about three hours a week. Three hours. For the other 165 hours in the week, they're with you, they're at school. Like, you are the primary disciplers of your kids. We can't do it for you, but we want to help you and equip you however we can. That's little things like giving you a question to ask while you're driving home after church on Sunday. That's little things like the Bible verse cards that Kristen gives you, gives your kids when they leave on Wednesday nights. That's also things like this this table we've got set up outside with all these resources out there. On there, there's, there's going to be a whole lot of resources, but those, those resources are, are things that the staff has looked through and, and we feel like they would be helpful to you. I got two I want you to, to consider today. 
One is this book, Family Discipleship by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin. Uh, This is a great book. If you've never done any of the stuff I've been talking about, discipling your kids, that sort of thing, let me encourage you, grab grab this book. Because this is a book that's going to help you to learn how to dive into, to start to disciple your kids. And, and, And what I love about this one is there's no guilt trips. Like, you know how you read some of those books and they, they make you feel guilty for what a terrible job you're doing raising your kid? This, this book doesn't do that. Great book out there on the table. You can grab that one. Another one is It Starts at Home, A Practical Guide to Nurturing Lifelong Faith by Kurt Bruner and Steve Strope. These, this book's out there as well. Also great resource for you to help equip you to disciple your kids, to lead your family to know, love, and follow Jesus. There's a bunch of others out there, but let me encourage you, grab those. The church is even gonna help cover some of the cost. You'll get it cheaper on that table than you will on Amazon. Uh, but, but get into it and remember that discipleship is work worth doing. We wanna help you however we, we can. Part of that work that's worth doing is teaching God's word. But the last thing I'd like you to see here from this text is that we can engage in the work of discipleship by immersing yourself in God's word. Look at verses eight and nine. The Bible says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. Now, when these commands were given in their original context, they weren't intended to be literal. They they were not intended to be literal. They're, They're They're metaphorical commands. And they're painting a picture of God's word being so connected and so intertwined into your life that it's it's like you're immersed in God's word. Now, eventually they were taken literally. Jews would literally take little pieces of the Torah and they would wear them on their foreheads. They would wear them on their hands. They would take them and attach them to the right side of the doorframe as they're entering into their house at the entrance to the gates of the city. But that's taking to the literal what was meant to be a picture of being so immersed in God's word that it impacts every aspect of your lives. If we were to contextualize this for us, the equivalent would be like like if this said, wear God's word on your hand like a wedding ring. Wear God's word on your head like your favorite ball cap so that it goes with you wherever you go. Put God's word at the entrance to your house and at the entrance to your work so that you are constantly reminded that the place I'm walking into is a place where it is centered on God's word. That's what this is telling us here. The idea is that we are immersed in God's word, life immersed in his word. You see, discipleship isn't limited to what you do here on Sunday or on Wednesday. Discipleship should permeate every aspect of your life. And if we're going to do the work of discipleship, this work that's worth doing, we can't confine it to a box on the calendar. It's got to be bigger than that. We immerse our lives in it. We live in it. We let it direct and guide and influence every aspect of our lives. That's what this is teaching us right here. Immerse yourself in God's word get in. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I promise I'm not. I want you to just see how incredibly important God's word is for every single day, because this is what's going to guide us as we make disciples. And that's what our mission is. But I want to go back to the main idea for the day. 
Discipleship is work worth doing. Christians today, especially here in America, we have a choice. We can do the easy thing where you just show up for an hour and 20 minutes on a given Sunday and hear a message and sing some songs and, and maybe you come on Wednesday nights and, and that's all you do. And I'm not gonna make you feel guilty about it. I'm gonna tell you, you can be a Christian and that's all you do. But I don't think that you will take hold of the life that Christ has for you doing that. I don't think you'll reach the full potential of what Christ has for you to live out this mission he's given us if that's all you do. It's gonna take more than that. The fullness of life that we're promised for the present life and for the life to come, I think that's found when we live out this thing called discipleship. And that's gonna take some work where we meditate on God's word where we teach God's word, where we immerse ourselves in God's word, it's gonna take some effort. But when we do that, I think we'll begin to experience the life that God has for us. As a church, we're meant to grow together. We're gonna equip you every way we can to help you do that. We're meant to live out the mission that Christ has given the church to make disciples. So I want to encourage you as we get ready to begin this new season as Alberta Church, let's continue to be a church that does that. Let's not let the words we recite together every Sunday just be words. Let, let's put action to it and let's live it out every single day. Let's be a church that makes disciples together. Can we pray? Lord God, I thank you for these men and women and I thank you for your word. God, as we've been talking about what your word is calling us into, as we've been talking about the hard work of discipleship, God, I ask that you would protect any of us from feeling like we're being guilted into something. But I do ask that you would also spur a desire for change in our hearts. God, help us to love you more. Help us to want to love your word more. Give us a, 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 a craving to open up your word and, and read it and meditate on it and teach it and immerse ourselves in it. Help us to see that though this thing called discipleship, learning and growing together, that help us to see that it's work worth doing and help us to live it out every single day. Where we are your people, each day are growing to be more like Jesus. We thank you for your word, Lord. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.